Hello and welcome to Talks with the Feminine. I'm Annie Taylor and I've got Livy with me today. I say hello. How are you going? <laughs> hello. <laughs> hello. <laughs> I always say hello first. <laughs> Double check. I can hear you and everything. It's really cool. Um, so Livy is a very talented musician and singer-songwriter um, and she's also um, producing podcasts and she is also um, helping to assist people in their podcasts and um, and working in those areas. And she's also a mum to two little people and she taught my baby music when she was a tiny little person too, <laughs> when there was only <laughs> one tiny baby to be taught. Um, so that's, you know, that's why I'm fortunate enough to know you, I suppose. <laughs> Thank um, you. That's all right. Um, so today I just wanted to, you know, break a bit into your experiences of work and motherhood. Um, and like you said, it's a pretty big topic um, to crack into, but we'll see how we go, see where okay. it takes us. <laughs> um, yeah, so, oh, where to start? I suppose um, uh, the first question I was going to ask you is just, you know, where, where were you in life before you had children where whereabouts were you I've seen a lot of videos of you on Portuguese tv and things like that so I've always been interested to know that um yeah <laughs> that was my 15 minutes of fame in Portugal when I I, I got an opportunity with uh, someone who's quite famous over there and and he got me on television and yes yeah, so that's that's every year when it comes up in my memories I like to brag and share it all again <laughs> <laughs> yeah I always notice it I'm like well that's kind of groovy <laughs> um but see where was I before uh before my firstborn came along Mm. my first boy Robbie um well I uh was married to my husband Jeff and we were trying for children um but I think it took me a while to realize that there was a problem as far Mm. as you know fertility because part of me was um leaving it up to if it's meant to be, it will happen. Mm. And I was part of me wanting a child, another part of me actually scared of it. Because I know there's there's no going back. I was never one of these parents that um, one of these non-parents that thinks they're going to know everything once they are a parent. And I never judged, I never judged other parents. I, I, I didn't necessarily think it would be easy. I thought, you know, and once you go there, there's no going back. So I had some fear around it. Mm. So, um, did you find, did you always want children or were you sort of, um, you know, after you'd partnered up, you went, oh, yeah, that's the journey we want to go down? Like what kind of stance were you at before you had kids? I thought I want, you know, I, I thought I have it one day, but then one day it was kind of running out. Oh, right. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, um, and also I love singing and I sort of thought oh I'll probably not be able to do anything with my singing and it'll just put a spanner on the works and I won't be able to do my own passions anymore so I I I wanted it but at the same time had fears around it so I was I was a bit in a bit of conflict and so um you know when it didn't happen and we were we're just not using contraception to go into that but um yeah well yeah that's wasn't, the way wasn't it, wasn't it, yeah that's how yeah that's, that's how, how it happens also, yeah that, but you also got to get the timing right you know there's only yeah. like two two day window or whatever so I just sort of thought yeah. well you know maybe. maybe it's just not hitting the right window kind of yeah <laughs> um so but after a while it's like okay I've got like a, quite a long while uh finally thought well um got to face this and yeah. ended up having IVF um is it worth asking how long you were sort of waiting before you went I mean it was probably yeah probably let a probably let a few years go by actually yeah 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 yeah. and then uh, and then you went to um how did you sort of handle it before you went down the IVF path did you um go see a specialist or how did that sort of unfold um I guess went to a GP I saw um one specialist and I did a round of IVF with him and then I remember being disappointed to find out there was uh, an option where you can I think it's called ICSI where they they choose 
the strongest sperm for a little bit of extra money, you could have done that and had uh. increased the chance. And I'm like, because you've told me that before, I spent, you know, nearly a whole $10, lot of money. On it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was a bit annoyed about that. And yeah. um, I got a recommendation from someone who's quite well known as having um, outstanding results, which is Nick, Nicklologist. Mm-hmm. and went along to him and um, he did all the tests and he basically throws everything at you to increase your odds. He probably gives you more drugs Options and, and, and things. Tax it from yeah. every angle. <laughs> and um, uh, so I did a round, well, I like to say, well, I say a round and a half because I stuffed up the first time not really understanding the protocol quite right and not following so I didn't produce enough eggs because I stuffed something up. So it was like two and a half rounds when you count the half. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you get the half. So, <laughs> yeah. So I did. Uh, so on the second, on the proper round that I did, um, had oh, from recollection, I think five eggs. That I think I had eighteen eggs. So I felt super fertile re- relative to a, a non-fertile <laughs> that <person>. month. Yeah. <laughs> and then one by one, they all died. Uh, they uh, didn't make it. Oh, like five fertilized, and then they all oh, had one viable one that was the one that was put inside me, and that is my son today. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> Gee, that was yeah, it's but, such a process. <laughs> so, it is. For, for us that don't, I mean, I, I obviously um, haven't had experience personally with IVF, and I'm sure there's um, people who have and people who haven't who are listening. Um, so talk us through the actual process because I don't know a lot about, you know, you said you've got, you've got to take medications, you've got rounds of things and, um, even the idea of having eggs harvested and think like, what's the, how do you go about all of that? That's, I mean, obviously you had a doctor who had a lot of, uh, I don't know, skills and different ideas (laughs) about how to take it, but. Yeah, as I'm just interested to hear how it actually is for someone going through it, really. Um, um, yeah. Basically, you uh, once you get your see, even it's been a while for me, so I'm I'm mm. going I'm going to give you what I can remember. Yeah, that's <laughs> um, fine. <laughs> it's it's no, a no, personal no, but, experience. That's you know. Yeah, that, no, yeah. You're basically given um, a bunch of drugs from the beginning of your cycle to mm. um, to encourage as many eggs uh, as you as you can, so that on day I can't remember anymore, but say two weeks in probably fourteen ish, uh, yeah, whatever or, it is, yeah, or ten day. Oh, anyway, yeah, uh, people listening will that have done it more recently will remember. They'll know. <laughs> no, what I'm saying it's wrong, but whatever day it is. Um, there's that optimal day where you've got the eggs and you go in and they put you under a general anesthetic and they collect the oh, eggs. Right. Yeah. So okay. you get an ultrasound beforehand and they have a look and, and see what what's there and then um, mm. if it all looks good, you go ahead and they they go to get all the eggs out and then um, and then uh, husband produces a sperm sample. It's very mm. romantic. I was going to say uh, so charming that process. <laughs> yeah. I know. <laughs> Well, our birds and the bees talk. Is at least, going to be a yes, bit at different. least, yes. Well, there is that. <laughs> at least you, you know, you don't require a general anaesthetic for that part. So uh, you know, I, if you don't, I did. Well, you no, I mean does. the bloke doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't. Oh right, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's less of a problem for them. <laughs> it is, of course, always, yes, always. And so, yep, they get. So, yep, the eggs of the sperm get together in the dish or wherever they put them in the test tube, I guess. And then five yeah. days later is um I, I believe some would do three but i think five is optimal mm. uh is when they have the blastocysts i never know if i've said that quite right but you know the mm. very beginning part of an embryo yeah. yeah the fertilized um egg and sperm basically they take the one that looks the strongest mm. one or mate or maybe two depending on the the uh, philosophy of who with it is Nick, yeah. yeah with nikki thought one is safest Right. less risk of complication or whatever, but some like to increase their chances of a pregnancy and they'll put two in and, and they might and end up with twins. that's how they might end up with twins, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm. So, um, yeah, that's yeah. basically the process. Although, you know, in American TV they put five in and hopefully yeah. <laughs> I suppose, I don't know, maybe that's like a thing they do in America that I don't, I don't know. I feel like there's a whole lot of um, stories of people having four or five kids from 
IVF in that country. So maybe that's part of it as well. I don't know. Mm. I've always okay. wondered about that. But um, there you go. You only had one and he, well, eventuated. So that's <laughs> <Indeed>. very good. <laughs> um, what was I going to ask you? Um, uh, yeah, so they, you didn't have to have a general anaesthetic again to have the, you know, embryo implanted. Is that how that works? Do no, just, no, yeah. that's, uh, that's, uh, basically go in, put, it's, uh, another romantic procedure yes. where you put your feet, feet in stirrups. Stirrups, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they just basically, it's so tiny that they, they can't see it, but they're looking through, um, it's quite fascinating really when you think about mm, it yeah but they put it they put it inside of you um and then they're looking at the uh at the ultrasound to see that they put it in the right spot yep. and then they go back and and look under a microscope or something to look at the thing that they put inside of you to make sure the egg's not on there to make sure because it's so tiny you just that, to, yeah to make sure it's not accidentally there, so. bring it back out yeah or whatever so <laughs> yeah. they go well it's not there it must be inside of you all good let's see how this goes yeah and then you wait wow and then you wait a couple of weeks after that and because you're taking um all the drugs and and whatever protocol that you're on um then they, they recommend my experience anyway is to get tested by the uh you know a blood test all oh, right yeah as for the pregnancy test otherwise yep. you'd have to wait to for because otherwise that might affect the results you don't want to do a home pregnancy test and go yippee i'm pregnant but it's actually that your hormones are a bit Just out of whack and you get yeah. a, a false positive you don't want to put yourself through that so um yeah so instead you go get a blood test and then wait for a phone call wow Geez, how did you find all of that? That's probably, I mean, that's all the medical palaver, I suppose, that you've just described. But it's, um, I can imagine it's quite a intense journey, especially when you're like, you've gone from being like, oh yeah, well we'll just see if it happens and stuff, to be like, no, we have to be really active in how this is, you know, really. Um, what's you know sort of procedural in how this happens um yeah how how were you emotionally going through all of that and how did you sort of uh, cope <laughs> it, 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 it meant that I had to exactly what you're saying I had to proactively choose it and yeah. I liked the idea of um if it's meant to be I will step up and I will have the right mindset and all that sort of stuff but I was like first no you have to actually choose it and so that was yeah, I guess a process. Yeah, you know, to to be, to be ready and to go. Okay, then. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're doing this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I guess, yeah. So, at the other side of that, um, I might just jump ahead and tell you yeah. that I did um, with with Robbie bringing a baby home. Ended up, I did find it a huge shock. Yeah. As far as it just turns your life upside down. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Even with your realism behind, yeah, I don't want it to be, I don't necessarily need to be a perfect, you know. Um, Even with all of that, it was yeah. a shock. And, yeah. I, you know, just the simple thing of not knowing how, how do I how do I even go to the toilet? How do I have a shower? How do I, oh, my God, this person needs my attention all the time. Oh, they're awake <laughs> more often now. What do I, what do I do with them? How do I? How do I go to a shop? Function. How do I yeah. get petrol? How do I do anything? And it was just a, a, like a massive adjustment for me yeah. and probably because I was on a bunch of hormone stuff. Uh, you know, I was taking things to try to help my milk production. I was on thyroid stuff and metilium. Oh, wow. and, um, and I was on a bit of a journey with the milk, with the breastfeeding not really working. So going on and off mm. the medication, depending on whether or what I was deciding to do. So I probably um, mucked myself up. So that as well as the the actual change to life, I think all mm. added up to me ending up with uh, postnatal depression and then feeling guilty because, you know, I had an IVF and I chose it. There's uh, no going back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you've got like a whole other layer going on there. Did you have much support in that? Early, I mean, obviously you had, uh, I suppose, medical support in the form of people trying to give you think. well, people giving, not trying to, um, trying to help you get the breastfeeding going with medication and things like that. So you had that kind of su support service, I guess. But um, 
you know, with relation to having P and D, did you, mm. yeah, did you feel um, you had much support in in this sort of huge transition into parenting that you'd now throw, you sort of felt you'd thrust yourself into? Um, or was it a bit more lonely in that way? I had support. I'm very lucky. Mm. I was staying with my um, at my mum's place because we'd had renovations and they weren't ready in time. Oh, good timing. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that what everyone does? For a bit of nesting and yep. uh, yeah. Yeah. So um, so yeah, it wasn't. So we ended up like at six. I think about six months at um, my mum's place. So that that turned out good. But um, I had. I um I did have support and my husband took some time off work and was there for for about four weeks I think from memory mm-hmm. and um I I think I think I'm lucky at the time it felt like a forever thing it felt like a crisis it yeah. felt like because it's being caused by a permanent change in my life mm. oh my god uh, I I I just thought for I couldn't see I felt like my life was secondary now I just existed for the for the child and I know yeah. that I have a responsibility for that child and I have to do my best for that child and I'm committed but does my life not matter anymore does anything yeah. I want not matter anymore even if I looked into the future I'd be imagining I'm going to be this mum taxi driver mum just taking them off to activities and and like, what I want for myself is secondary it doesn't matter anymore and then I'm not allowed to feel any of this because I did this. I chose myself. it myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I know I've got a good baby. I don't even have like some people have P and D, but they have real challenging kids. babies. Yeah. And I, I had everything go for me, and I still had it. So I, I felt mm. bad, and I wasn't enjoying being a mum, and I felt guilty. I felt uh, looking back, um, what it was is is shame, and I know mm. what helped me. And then when I've um, watched the Brene Brown video I went ah that's why that helped me so I can I'll share what helped me might help somebody yeah (laughs) I was gonna say how did you sort of get to the other side yeah so um I really like that with the the maternal child health program that they actually ask questions to to try and pinpoint whether you do have it and that um I think I passed by just a little um, bit on the Edinburgh a, scale, a bit, or bit, you know, it depends on how truthful you are answering the questions, yeah. I guess. But they are, but the fact that they asked the questions, I went away, and the next day I went, "Yeah, that I have, I have that," yeah. and I and I was onto it straight away. And I know, uh, you know, from being involved in mum the mum life community Facebook group and mm. watching other people's posts, that so many people have it for so much longer. And so many people deny it and so many people keep it to themselves that mm. I know that I had it for about three months, I would say, the worst yeah, of it, yeah. which relatively is short compared to what I see that other people well, go through. Yeah, although <laughs> though, it feels like an age at the time. which <laughs> At the time it feels yeah, like forever. Yeah. Um, but what helped me was every time I admitted it and every time I said uh, talked about it to someone, I felt like I healed a bit more and – and that makes sense with what Brene Brown says because she says with shame, shame is um, when you think that you're a bad person, when you have something that you don't want to admit to people because they're going to find out how mm. bad and terrible you are and to admit, to admit I was hating being a mum. And even now I'm saying it and thinking someone's listening and going, what, you had IVF, I would die to have children or whatever, you know, like. Yeah. Um, but so, you can't make it about someone else's experience, I guess, you know. It's, but every time it is what it I is. admitted it, and I'm so lucky that I had people around me who supported me, mm. if they had gone the other way and gone, but you should be happy, but you had IVF, all the things I was thinking about myself, but mm. but you've got such a good child, but you should be grateful, but, 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 I would have mm. gone, yes, you're right, I'm terrible, yes, you're right, yes, you're right. And I'm so lucky that they saw the best in me and believed in me and supported me and and that I got onto it straight away and was able to keep saying to people, I'm going through this, I'm feeling this, and be heard and have empathy because mm. I think that's the, the key thing that really helped me. And I can say now it does get better. And I love, 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 love being a mum. It's the best thing I've yeah. ever done. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it's funny how it can turn on you like that. <laughs> And yeah. instead, the things that I thought it would hold me back from having my dreams and all of that, and and look at me, I do children's music. 
Like, yeah, it sort of pushed you forward. Yeah. Yeah. So it, yeah. it opens up different doors. It, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then, so then, oh, how many years later until you were thinking about going again, I suppose? <laughs> <laughs> you would think I would have heard, learned the first time around that <laughs> I was... <laughs> Well, you know, you're speaking to someone with three of them. I'm like, we never learn. Anyway. <laughs> no, but no, as in I've made all the same mistakes a second time. Ah, uh, yeah. No, but, and, and I, um, yeah, I, I didn't go for help for ages because mm. um, I was like getting It'll be later, right. into, yeah. Yeah, later yeah. into my 40s and feeling like maybe I'm too old to be trying this anyway but it would be okay if it happened naturally I can't believe how dumb am I (laughs) (laughs) well (laughs) yeah you can't predict how life's gonna go I suppose you're just like I would just hope sometimes (laughs) maybe I felt a bit of uh of of shame about actively pursuing it once I was sort of getting older you know is it too old to have kids and but it would be okay if it happened earlier and hey I've heard about this story about someone who got pregnant with IVF the first time and and just their body knew, knew what to do and they got pregnant the second time or hey I've heard this story about someone who's you know late 40s and surprise pregnancy and they weren't even trying or yeah you know yeah of and course thought, yeah <laughs> so I yeah into that trap again like, it's so embarrassing to admit this <laughs> <laughs> no I mean and, you know, everyone wants to have the sort of you know magic happen I suppose I mean yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I felt like people, you know, like, like people like you and every other normal person who has a second child. Um, <laughs> normal <like> person. <laughs> you know, anyway. It like, yeah. It felt like showing off, but, you know, you did it once and then you went and did it again. And again, that's just showing off. I can't uh-huh. show off. <laughs> I felt like having more than one child is just, you know, I was uh, like, yes, I would notice that if people having um, multiple ki- children, that I mm. was feeling something about that but yeah I would go, yeah uh, fair enough I would um yeah I bury it or go what is this or not really face it and it was actually I have to thank Renee you know Renee from Mum Life Community yeah Mum yep. Life Stickers yes yes she, <laughs> <laughs> she, she said let's have a chat tonight and I and I thought it was about something completely different and then it ended up being like this intervention oh <laughs> wow <laughs> Well, good on her. She was very active, very proactive in her approach. Then. <laughs> she wanted me to name the child after her. I'm sorry, Renee, but anyway, but you didn't. <laughs> I, but, but I do thank her um, because she said, "Right, you want to have kids? What are you doing about it? When are you ovulating? Um, if you're <laughs> yes, go and get the go and get the thing that you spit on to see when you're ovulating the, the baby baby." You know, face it. If you need, if you need um, IVF, go see a doctor. If you need an egg donor, you've got, you know you've yeah. got this and that. Go face it. And I'm like, fine. <laughs> and I was too embarrassed to go and see a doctor about it. I was like, oh, they'll just think I'm ridiculous for, um, for wanting to go again. Or yeah, <laughs> yeah. For, yeah. You know, being in my 40s and being ridiculous and wanting to have a baby and leaving it too late and it was just I was like <sighs> having to face all my fears yeah right well it's uh I guess part of the journey of motherhood you got to face all the fears <laughs> so yeah, that's exactly right yeah so what I guess um I mean you know I haven't really asked you how you sort of what doctors have told you and things in the past but um was your was the approach fairly similar this time or how did it sort of go down when you finally went to a specialist or and did you see see the same person that's the other question I I did see the same person and um and (laughs) and I've got this pause because it took me a while to actually be open with this with people so this is like the big reveal the big reveal (laughs) (laughs) that I did yeah that I went I went back to Nick and um and and after some discussion and looking at all the factors and everything he basically said don't waste your time with anything else other than a donor egg 
Ah, oh, right. So was there a reason that they, you know, uh, sort just of... the fertility just... that, that it was not going to happen any other way, other way. basically. Yeah. And, you know, there's like 1% chance of it happening. Yeah. Anyway, you try with yeah. Your own. So... Um, and then from there, it's like you in Australia, you have to have to actually find someone who wants to donate an egg to you, or you have uh, to yep. go overseas for on, anonymous. And so we sort of went, oh wow, okay. And when we looked at it, and um, the option of Hello. sorry, baby talking in the background here. <laughs> what do you think, Juliet? <laughs> she's like, I have very many opinions. I don't know why she's getting crabby on me now, but I'm like, come on. There you go. Anyway, <laughs> there we go. I'll try and feed her. Keep her happy. That's all right. Oh, monkey. Yeah, anyway. get on there. Then she'll be fine. She'll be right. um, yep. <laughs> so I guess if you go, uh, if you go a local donor, it's nice that you know who it is. But by the same token, then you know who it is. Yeah. Well, well, there's you have to really make sure it's someone that is on the same page as you that has the same expectations because they're yeah. doing something huge for you. Do they, yeah. are they expecting to be part of the family? Are they expecting, yeah, like, do they have a certain amount of expectations about how you raise that child? Do they yeah. have expectations about what their relationship is? Uh, yeah. Can, you realise as you look into it, oh, actually, it's not simple. No. Uh, yeah. And, and, yeah, and there can yeah. be, like, I've heard of a friend said to me, oh, she had a donor egg and she's she wouldn't change it for the world. It's the greatest gift. But she said, oh, if she was me, she'd go anonymous because um, with her there's the the donor is fine with it but the mother isn't and feels like ah, right. it feels like she's got a grandma, granddaughter that she doesn't see. Like ah, Right. It's all a extra... bit complicated. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Oh, well. So, yeah. So yes, we we ended up going overseas, but um, mm. so and you, we ended up going yeah. to Spain because it's similar to my heritage of Portugal. Portugal, yeah, and yeah. yeah, and you couldn't go to Portugal, or is it just actually? You know what? I maybe could have because I found <laughs> I just I heard a friend <laughs> that went to Spain, and that's all I looked at, and I looked into it, and that's where the major like it's a it's a big it's a it's a very major oh. IVI. Um, called IVI it's a very major headquarters for it so it probably is the best place that I went to yeah but while I was there and looking for somewhere to support to do some of the tests um, I discovered that there was like a satellite office in Portugal and so I have wondered oh I could have done that (laughs) (laughs) never mind (laughs) (laughs) yeah Um, but then yeah that all worked out you went to Spain so how does it work you do you have to do your fertility treatment stuff there or do they give you something frozen? How does it sort of, yeah. Um, well, they could have given it frozen, but um, I specifically asked for fresh. That was what the doctors here were recommending. Yeah. Um, so all it's all a matter of perfect timing and getting mm. the donor to come in. Um Yep. Exactly, you know, and getting them to start to prep when you're prepping over here in Australia, having all your mm, drugs medications and, and yeah, you know, wow. they purposely stop your period and then purposely control it and then purposely start it up again. And yeah, <laughs> wow, so it's all very <sighs> manipulated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the first round failed. Oh, did it? Yep, yeah. And then so. and so decided. Do we stay? Do we go? I must be like at one point said, well, if it was meant to be, it would have happened. Here's me. So you're doing that again. Yep. 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 <laughs> and then I went, look, we're here. What if we just stay a bit longer and try one more time? Yeah. And, yeah. And we did and and it worked. And yep. now we have a little baby Cara. And if we hadn't then, well, that was by the time we came back, it was first week of November Mm-hmm. And then, and then you've got coronavirus. COVID, and you couldn't have gone and anywhere. Got, and then you've got Spain shut down. Yeah, of course. They were particularly badly hit. So, yep. so when it comes to you know bad time to be pregnant, I and yes, there's been you know annoying things, but I can't really feel like it was bad timing for me because it you really kind of lucked out. Any, yeah, <laughs> just couldn't have been any better. Yeah, but um, you know, I. Wow. I had like like I said, this is a bit of a coming out for me mm. to tell you this today because uh, when we came back and we announced um, 
the pregnancy, I was not ready to share. This has been a journey. It's been super yeah. emotional, very personal. Uh, and there's all these things that I've had to get over myself as far as what's the right decision, um, what's the morally right decision, the ethical decision, the is it okay for me to do this? Yes, I know that I I stand for children loving themselves. I stand for mm. um, encouraging, you know, like even with the music that I write, you know, it's all that my message is for children to love themselves. I'm here for children. I'm doing something to nurture and, and, and also that my son, he's yeah, my son will have someone always for the rest of his life. That is his, is there for him and Mm -hmm. that they have each other. And like, I'm doing it for all the right reasons, but I've had to go through a lot of stuff to be, comfortable with everything I've done so when I came back I wasn't there yet yeah I wasn't ready to tell so so I'd say to my husband like we've got to tell your side of the family that I'm pregnant you know and and the Christmas party seemed like a good place to do it Mm. everyone there and it was you know almost 12 weeks and everything's looking good and we're like we don't want to lie we don't want to lie how do we get around it yeah please just don't ask yeah (laughs) And I just wanted people to be happy for me that we were having a baby. And then we didn't, we'd sort of talk about it and talk about it and never come to a conclusion about how to handle it. We'll just ring it. Maybe we can dodge the questions or whatever. Just yeah. sidestep. Side and we couldn't. We were asked flat out. Like we, someone guessed that I was pregnant by my flowing dresses or Outfit. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that helped bring it out in the open. But then... Um, uh, my sister-in-law's like, oh, it must have happened. You know, she was assuming it happened naturally. But it sounded like she was assuming it happened naturally because she worked out from the, you know, doing the math that I must have fallen pregnant overseas. So yep. therefore it must have been happening. Ha- well, While you were on holiday. Baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> Different sort um, of holiday. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't really. Wasn't a holiday. Really like on the social media. No. <laughs> Um, and so we, and then they would flat out ask me, um, was it IVF? Oh, like I, but first she'd assumed it was natural. So I ran off to Jeff and they think and it's natural. They think it's a, going. Yeah. 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 And then, and then people asked me point blank, was it natural or was it IVF? And I couldn't avoid the question. And I ended mm. up, we ended up lying and saying no, and we didn't want to lie but we didn't want to talk about it. And you can't say the issue is you can't say it's, it's a thing I don't want to talk about because that, that gives the answer. Yeah. So like yeah. There'd be people that would message me on Facebook and ask uh, uh, in messenger and ask me the question and I would avoid it and ask a diff- answer a different question. Like they might've asked me a few questions and said, and it wasn't IVF and I'd answer every other question and not answer and just leave one. it off. Yeah. And then they'd be like, you know, if they answered, if they said, Oh, but, Oh, and ask again. Hey, take the hint. Don't ask again. No, these are beautiful people. I oh, mean, yeah. Like, I just don't. Uh, but, but you were I like, I, do you, not do you ready. Not, do you not want to talk about it? And I did not know how to handle it. No. I did not want to handle it. Um, well, yeah, so, nobody prepares so you for that. Like, definitely mm. silence from me. Um, yeah. yeah, so that was awkward. <laughs> but that was why, because I... That's was where I was at and I wasn't ready and I couldn't say I don't want to talk about it because that's like. That's why I don't want to talk about it. Obviously, it's because, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you feel there was a certain amount of, because you've spoken a lot about, um, I guess, shame impacting on some of your experiences and, um, and, and I guess your journey through all of this. Do you feel that shame impacted on that or was it just more about the level to which it was very personal journey that made you not want to share as much, do you think? Maybe it was. Maybe in, in terms of, I, have to, uh, well, I don't know. Mm. <laughs> I just think I had to go through quite a lot of growth. I'd have, yes, yeah, so I've had to go through a lot of personal development and growth to be ready to take the journey and then to be able to share it is another whole other process. Whole, yeah. Whole other process. So it's yeah. just take it, taking, it's just taken a while, I guess. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting though. Like I just thought it was um, cool the way shame and moving past shame has really seems to have shaped how you've um, 
not just who you are in terms of um, motherhood, but then also what's shaped what you want for children and what you want to do in your work and, and giving children that feeling of loving themselves and moving beyond shame. And I just thought maybe it's uh, a bit of a messenger for you at this point. It just sounds a bit like it just every time you've got to You've got to move through something. Shame rears its ugly head. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I guess so. I guess so. But uh, thank goodness for the beautiful Brene Brown, who, who you know, by watching her, yeah, made me recognise that for what it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So then your first. So was was Robbie a C-section baby? Is that right? Was yes, that, yeah. he was. That was yep. um, that that was uh, Nick Lollardist's, uh decision he said if you want me to be your obstetrician which he doesn't do anymore now that side of it but he said uh-huh. that was the condition uh because he thought that was the safest option and that was what was planned again for this baby Cara but then she had other ideas <laughs> yeah that's yeah. what I was like it must have been so full-on to be like yeah I've got my c-section booked I know what's happening it's all very predictable uh, in a way and then <laughs> and then um and then I had uh I was feeling very uncomfortable and I I didn't – what is it? I can't pinpoint what it is that I'm feeling because I've never been through – like I've never been through labour. So mm. – um, and then I found myself sort of leaning forward and going, <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That breathing that people do. I'm like – The panting thing. Those, this yeah. panting thing. This looks like a, a movie, you know, when the woman's about to give birth and, oh, my goodness, is that contractions? And, uh, and I'm like at 30 – 30 weeks and mm. I'm, I don't want it to be contractions what is this oh my god I feel so uncomfortable um and so I called uh, called my obstetrician and I, I had a um uh an ultrasound booked uh for I think it was Thursday I was feeling this Thursday night and I had an ultrasound booked for Monday and I brought it forward to Friday yeah. uh to get checked out and they said well this they looked at it. Every the baby was looking a bit small, but all the important measurements were still. Uh, it, she dropped from being like twentieth percentile to eleventh, but the important measurements that they look at within that were still looking good. The blood flow looked good to her. Uh, the cervix was closed. She wasn't moving down, so it wasn't. So they just said it was Braxton Hicks. Yep. Yeah. Oh, it looked pretty good. Keep an eye on it. I still felt kind of uncomfortable, Weird. but yeah, um, it, it, it kind of eased. Yeah. Um, but then in the morning, so Saturday morning, I um, woke up, felt okay, uh, and then went to the toilet and found blood. Yeah. Uh, and so I went, oh, that's, that's not That's not to okay. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And um, the obstetrician had told me if I had any worries to call the pregnancy assessment team at the hospital. So I did that. And, um, you know, they ask you a bunch of questions and you answer them. You know, when's the last time you felt your baby move? And you're like, oh my god, let me I think. can't remember right now. <laughs> yeah, and you were a private at a private hospital too, weren't you? Is that right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was at yeah. Monash. Um, yeah. So uh, Jesse Mac, and um, so they told me to come in, but of course it's in the middle of. We we're in lockdown still. I think we we're in lockdown. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, there's all the rules, and and we can't just drop everything and go because I'd have to, you know, that would involve bringing my son with me, and he's not allowed. And so that, yeah, there's a uh, lot of restrictions I, around that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. either I go by myself, which I didn't want to do, really, but you know, I'm starting to consider it. Versus, um, we get a babysitter, and I'm calling my parents you know, somewhere between six and seven a.m., and they're not answering the phone. And um, I'm thinking, what are my options? What are my options? Oh, someone did offer a while back that they would babysit if I ever needed. Maybe I was on the verge of calling this, calling in a favour and then my mum called back. Oh, good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Lucky. Although I'm sure that other person would definitely have just taken Robbie for would, you. But, yeah. They, they would have. I think they were. I think she was honoured that she was the next Considered. in line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, we went into the hospital that day. They did a bunch. They did the test where they listened to the heart rate. Mm. Uh, it all looked all right. Um, and then uh, the obstetrician, which was not my one that I'd been with because he was away sick for the weekend, so it was someone else. He had a look and went, "Oh," he, <laughs> he said, "That's not good." <laughs> oh, you're like, "Great, yep." <laughs> That's what I wanted to hear. 
to hear. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. No, that's not good. <laughs> oh, the cervix is open uh, and there's a slow leak. Um, so, yeah, it's, it looks like it's going to happen within 24 to 48 hours. Yeah, still hopeful that, you know, it could take longer, but in the majority of cases that what mm. is what it looks like is going to happen. And yep. and the thing, the concern was to check for infection. If there was infection, they would make sure it happened soon because better out than in, in that yeah, circumstance. Right. Yeah. And then to cut a long story short, you know, within 24 hours they had determined that, yes, there was an infection. I ended up developing a, a slight fever. Uh, which indicates infection, and they were, they were like, he said, if if it doesn't happen naturally, then we're going to induce you, which I've never heard of someone at 30 weeks being induced. Being I've only ever heard of it, yeah. someone 41 weeks or something, you know. So that was weird. But I didn't need to be induced. As it turns out, he just uh, waited sort of a bit. Broke the, yeah. Broke, once was he was there, he broke the membrane and bang, it was very quick. Yeah. Like, well, that's perhaps all the induction you needed since she was already on her way. <laughs> so, exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that, was um, a sh- that was obviously a big shock. Um, mm. And, you know, when you yeah. said it was going to be tw- 24 to 48 hours, there were tears and everything with the shock of all of that. But, you know, at least I got a, a light, uh, uh, you know, 30 to 40 minute labour or whatever it was, which I think <laughs> on average I've lucked out with that. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah. No tears. Depends on how you feel about it, but yeah. Some people love a 30 to 40 minute labour, some people not so much. I think, you know, it just depends on who you are. Um, oh, well. But yeah. 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 So easy recovery, much easier yeah. than this cesarean. The so. Yeah. So I'll, t- I'll take that part of it. No one wishes for a premature baby, but I, I don't no. mind the easy recovery and the short labour. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's a way of looking at it. So <laughs> then how long was she, was she in hospital for sort of 10 ish weeks or seven weeks or how long? Yeah. I think it, uh, what did it work out to be from the 3rd of May to the 28th, I think of June. So yeah, a couple, a couple of months. Almost two months. So yeah. how did you find that time? I mean, considering there was COVID restrictions and everything too, it's sort of pretty intense time to be like, I need to get back and forth from a hospital every day and all the rest of it. So we were staying at my parents' place uh, because we needed someone to look after Robbie because he couldn't come with us. Yeah. Um, so I guess it was just a lot of travelling every day, a lot of being asked every day the same questions, you know, the screening questions. Yep. They, they would ask the screening questions every day, check your temperature every day. Um, and the I think it, the... After a few weeks, there was a restriction lifted, but initially for the first few weeks, um, Jeff was only allowed for one hour a day visiting uh, within particular hours. So right. that was pretty rough. That yeah. was uh, rough. And I yeah. think it's, you know, it's not, not fair on what it works out pretty badly for both the mother and the father because the mother needs support, the father is sort of treated like less important. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we want hands-on dads that are involved, but yet. Yeah. They're not, but they're not prioritised to... in that yeah. setting. Yeah. So, and then, of course, it works out a whole logistical thing as far as, well, do we go in one car? Are you going to have to drive forwards and backwards? Or we take two cars and pay two parking fees? Um, yeah, so it's just another layer of... Stuffing around, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and as well, and, and for the poor nurses who didn't like it very much, but had to say they um, have to deal with it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's time for you to move on. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be rough. That would be a mm. difficult job. I don't envy them that. Um, mm. So, yeah, wow. And then, and then she came home. Tell us about when she came home and how you, you know, started family life. Now, now that you're all there, yeah, we're all here, living yeah. the weirdness that that we're all living. Really, yes, really, yeah. Um, oh, it's just uh, my my side of the family has has been a bit lucky, I guess, because there was the window of us not being in lockdown, where um, you know, where my brother and sister-in-law came and and, and met Cara, and my parents got to meet her twice because they had to babysit. Robbie so that we could pick her up in the first place, which meant by the time we got home, they were there. Yeah, <laughs> and they're like, yeah. oh, we get to see her. <laughs> it's, it's slightly weird because it, it, there's everyone's a little bit strange. People don't 
hug and, and all these things that are normal at the moment. So, mm. you know, no one got a cuddle. It's all, that's all a bit strange. Um, yeah. And my husband's mum hasn't met her and here she is packing on the weight, looking quite different. She never saw her as the tiny newborn we, mm. we brought home. Yeah. It's, and it's just, it is what it is. Weird. It's a weird, weird time. Yeah, you're not wrong about mm. that. Yes. <laughs> That's yeah. All the people that miss the meeting and the little squishy newborn and the um the cuddles. Like I know what you mean. I had the same with someone came over for it was my aunt actually. She came over to to meet my tiny human who's like a month younger than yours. We worked out, but she um yeah she came over and I was like this is so awkward because we're not supposed you're not supposed to. It was in that bit where lockdown was eased and then it was like mm. but you can't. You can't hold her though, and then I felt weird. I was like, maybe I should have just let her. I don't know. Then she left, yeah. and yeah. Anyway, but at least she got to meet her, I suppose. Um, but yeah, it's a very odd time. It's very un- unnatural, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So, like, there you go. We've been talking for forty-five minutes. We've done very well. But I, wow. <laughs> it just kind of. Um, all comes together. I feel like there's so much more I could ask you about all of this because it's such a um, a huge journey for everything. But I thought I would ask you, um, now that you've gone through all of this, I guess I, I'd like to know a bit more about what motherhood means to you and also what your work means to you and how, you know, you sort of said earlier that, um, you know, motherhood's the best thing you've ever done and that it's, sort of introduced you to um, working with children and music for children and all of those sort of influences. Um, yeah, so I just wondered what those sort of things mean for you and what what's next for you now that you've done all of this. <laughs> what does motherhood mean for me? Yeah. Um, oh, well. And it's a huge I think question. but <laughs> It is. I, I think when you've had to be made to to actively choose it twice and when you've had to go to extreme lengths and um, and spend uh, more than a bucket load, maybe a house load really, scarily, um, of money to make it happen Um, and just the whole emotional journey, you can't, you're just so hyper aware of what a privilege it is. Mm. So even though I can still go oh bloody hell I haven't got anything done for myself yet and uh, (laughs) you can still get annoyed like anyone else and go uh even with that you still always have this um I guess sense of gratitude and that's and and but I've had postnatal depression and all that so I also have on top of that uh, a layer of um, compassion and empathy of anyone who's maybe not necessarily feeling all the gratitude that they maybe they should envision they should yeah 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 (laughs) so I guess I I guess it's just a huge privilege and it's a huge growth journey um Mm. yeah and it's opened up parts of me that even though I thought it would be the end of hopes and dreams it's the opposite it really just opens up parts of you that whether you end up doing something directly related to motherhood or children like for you being a doula or for yeah. me doing children's music there's other things that aren't necessarily connected to so obviously that I think have still come from being a mother because it's the growth that that came out of taking that path so even the fact that I do podcasts and VA work and were and involved in with certain circles of women in business and, and mm. even the stuff that's not as obviously related to children and mum being a mum is still I still got there because of this journey that I took. So I, I now just have enormous gratitude for mm. it, I guess, and yeah. compassion for children and compassion for people who who have it hard or, or that maybe have difficulty with fertility or, or loss or anything like that. So it's, yeah. it's um, given, given me a lot of compassion, I guess. Yeah. And now <laughs> you're sort of balancing um, all of that, all the things you're working on with, parenting a teeny tiny human <laughs> is that about right like work and <laughs> doing both things at once um yeah how are you finding it I suppose 
Oh, look, I got up at 6 a.m. because I, I've got this song that I've it, that I've that's come to me that I'm so excited about that <laughs> I ha- I never have any window of time to actually get it recorded or anything. And and then I wake up and the first thing is Cara wants a breastfeed. And breastfeeding has been a whole other journey because I don't have enough milk, but I'm giving her what I've got and then going on the bottle. But that's another but story. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it's the whole your your time is obviously taken up by these little mini humans all the time um that yeah it's a challenge but because because I had postnatal depression the first time around and then came out the other side and came out through loving being a mother and that I've had to do all these extreme things to to have these little children that even if I um have the hardships and stuff I still can stay okay because I know Mm. how lucky I am and I know what I did to get here to get there yeah yeah wow well I'm very much looking forward to hearing that song when it actually one day you'll get there you'll record it one day like you know today yeah there you go I I should let you go soon so you can go and see if you can get it done while you've got the room to yourself before anything else happens it's a bit like that I think I got the music done and I'm just going to finish the vocals and I'm excited to send it to somebody. Yeah. How cool. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for sharing all of your journey and, um, yeah, I think it's quite an impactful one, especially because I think it's the kind of thing that people don't um, crack open that often. They just sort of say, wash over it, you know, this is what happened Mm. and we'll just, you know, it if it's IVF or whatever you you know it's sort of yeah I did that and that's it and we don't go into any depth about what that actually means for people a lot so, of people don't yeah. and I don't think anyone should expect them to because you know no of course go, not no. no I know but sometimes go oh, it gives people the false idea of how how easy it is to get um, pregnant or not but you know mm. people have their reasons why they're not ready to share and it's probably nothing to do with with what they, how they feel about you. It's just where no, they're No, of course, yeah. yeah. But mm. it is, um, I think, for people who are on the same or a similar trajectory, it's it's nice for them to hear you talk about it. So even though, you know, I think like anything, if people aren't ready to open that door, mm. it's not worth opening. But it is nice mm. that you've been willing. So thank you <laughs> for that um, thank you yeah and do you want to plug yourself have you got you know a website or something you want to share thank you yeah. well if you go to oliviadesouza.com that'll be the portal to lead to all the places so uh, olivia and then D'Souza is d-e-s-o-u-s-a.com that'll take you to um, my podcasting stuff I've got a podcasting course if you want to learn how to do it yourself the easy way uh, and um, if uh, I do children's music so there's a link there that t- will take you through to the ch- children's music if you want to learn singing it's all there so that's the central point to find all the places <laughs> awesome okay well yeah I'm sure you'll um, you know hear from some people there I keep seeing what you're doing and being like oh one day I'm going to, you know, have time to touch into singing and things again one day in the world. Um, but it's so cool that, you, yeah, you're sharing that gift with people. So, um, yeah, I will wrap up. Thanks for joining us, everybody, and um, I'll see you again in hopefully a couple of weeks, we hope. <laughs> it's always good in theory. Thanks. <laughs> okay, bye.